Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Today is Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. New York Times and corporate media doubled down on calling for Joe Biden to resign. Oh, it is delicious. We know exactly what is happening right now. Fannie Willis also unloads at a church. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. She accepts a ward. <laughs> we'll get into all that. Fannie Willis's father has a new racist clip that has surfaced of him being a vile racist. He's also a member of the Black Panthers. He's also very busy making Hollywood movies. He also apparently was able to predict COVID. And also he used a magnifying glass to read. So we'll cover all of that in the show, ladies and gentlemen. And Senator Mike Lee joins the show to, well, break it all down for us. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. Want to get started here? ladies and gentlemen, by saying you, if you are so inclined, should join our show live on Wednesday night. That is tomorrow night, 6 p.m. If you are in the Columbia, South Carolina area, this is the Benny and Vivek live. If you are watching online, then hop online. We're going to be at a brewery. We're going to be chit-chatting. We're going to be talking and we're going to be plotting the future and what this country and what this party can do to actually save it. It is very important to have these conversations. We love having these conversations. It is our job to get out of the studio and to actually create culture. And so instead of just sitting here and complaining, we're gonna be doing a lot of doing this year. We're gonna be out and about. We're also gonna be going to some Trump rallies in South Carolina. We're gonna be covering Donald Trump's uh, magnificent South Carolina victory as he rolls on to be the first Republican ever to win all 50 states in a contested primary. An incredible moment for our country. We're excited to do it, and we are doing it alongside of you, and we'd love to have you join us. So if you are around, I will buy you a beer um, unless it's a Bud Light. I will not be buying you Bud Light. So if you come into the bar and you order a Bud Light, we'll kick you out. We have security, okay? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you are traveling uh, to come see us tomorrow or, or throughout the week, we will be in uh, South Carolina for the remainder of the week starting tomorrow, uh, then please use Patriot Mobile. Um, Patriot Mobile is the cell phone company that powers our show when we are on the road. Make sure that we are connected to you. Very important to be able to do the show. It'd be very important to be, we'll continue the show obviously every single morning. We have a studio that's being set up up there in Columbia, um, and we look forward again to covering Trump's triumphant role. I don't know, ALX, what do you think, man? What do you think? You think Nikki Haley's going to drop out? That could be the news. Does that happen today? Let me know, ALX. Nikki Haley may drop out today. There's some. She has some special announcement on the state of the race that may well happen today. So it may, like, the, the ALX thinks she's baiting, he says and that she just wants attention. So we'll see if Nikki Haley drops out today. There is a special announcement today um, from her 
So I guess we'll be covering that pretty closely. Ladies and gentlemen, nonetheless, if it's a breaking news environment, you want to make sure that you are connected to us and our show. We will be there for you. Join us on Patriot Mobile. This is the number one free speech mobile network. It is excellent. It is why we use it. Go to patreonmobile.com slash Benny, patreonmobile.com slash Benny, or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Benny, patreonmobile.com slash Benny. Okay, starting the day, ladies and gentlemen, with something uh, that is going to be a regular series on the program. Something that we have built, very, very creepy stinger. It's called the Biden Health Update, and this one is a doozy. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) That is so dark, Royce. That is such a dark stinger. Kamala Harris cackling. Just so happens that Kamala Harris is uh, the first clip we're going to play for you. Okay. Biden should stand down if he can't run a normal reelection campaign, says top pollsters who are stunned, befuddled, and shocked and going through the five stages of grief. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what's happening to the Democrat Party right now. You may be familiar with the five stages of grief, which is a psychological model uh, designed by a German psychologist talking about how people handle the horrific realizations that their lives will change forever, potentially for the worse. And what would that realization be? Well, for the left, that is that Donald Trump will become your president again. Donald Trump is your president. Reminds me of a song. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this is the realization for Democrats right now. And it is a well-known well-worn psychological phenomenon of how people deal with grief. There are five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. These are the five stages of grief. The Democrat Party is going through major grief at the moment. And my contention is that the powers that be have determined uh, through data, through analytics, and through just overall spree de corps of the nation that they can't stop Trump and they won't stop Trump and that Trump will be victorious and Joe Biden is polling below the margin of fraud. And that is what I truly believe. And we're going to prove it to you here because now the hounds of war have been unleashed on Joe Biden. Things are happening that show you how our corporate media, which is the fifth column who support the Democrat Party, and without their assistance and help, the Democrat Party could not, would not, cannot, and will not be able to operate. Have now leashed all of the hounds of war on Joe Biden, and how savage it has become, ladies and gentlemen. The stages of grief and the stages of, well, uh, the Democrat Party right now is in the bargaining and depression era. Okay. Acceptance will of course be when Donald Trump puts his hand on the Bible and is sworn in as our president in 2025, January 20th of 2025. Hopefully he's wearing a gold pair of Donald Trump never surrenders when he does this. I am a stern advocate of Donald Trump wearing, looking like this. Can we get the GQ image? ALX? I'm a, I'm a firm advocate of Donald Trump 
wearing a pair of his golden high top never surrenders when he is sworn in on January 20th, 2024. To get there, and the reason why I'm so confident that we will get there is, and this is this is what Donald Trump should look like on inauguration day. Okay. If you believe if you agree with me, then please, if you agree with me, then please let me know in the comment section. <laughs> so that's for that's true. That's true drip right there. Okay. You want your president to be looking like that when he swears in. You just you want it. That's that's culture. All right. That's swag. <sighs> Bargaining and depression is where the Democrat Party is right now. They're in between bargaining and depression. They've gone out of denial. Donald Trump could never possibly run again. They've gone past the anger stage. The anger stage is when all the lawsuits were all dropping, where they were like angrily launching every lawsuit they possibly could at Donald Trump. Now they're in bargaining and depression. Okay, somewhere in between these two stages of grief. And we're going to be tracking these uh, very closely. To show you how the Democrat Party is oper operating right now in those stages, we have this remarkable clip from CNN. This is a clip of a supposedly a CNN <laughs> a reporter. <laughs> She's a reporter. Uh, talking to Kamala Harris and telling Kamala Harris how in love with her she is. OK, like this is the kind of steamy romance for like, you know, low level truck stop smut. Um, but here it is live on CNN talking about the beauty of Kamala's eyes, the affection of her voice, the stunning candor of her face and the glistening of her cheek. I mean, li listen to like the CNN reporter serenade Kamala it's like Shakespearean. And then something really special happens in the interview. So after like. The on-camera metaphorical fellatio uh, between like this CNN reporter and Kamala Harris, she takes a turn and goes, so you're all these wonderful things, but also you suck. <laughs> but also like you're terrible at this and no one likes you. And that's like the bargaining and depression era that the Democrat Party is in. Where it's like, we can't believe that we've lived in this bubble and the bubble is now bursting and we the, the the weight of reality and data is starting to weigh so heavily upon us that we realize that something's gone terribly wrong. Watch this magnificent interview shows you exactly where the Democrat Party is right now. Let me ask you one more question. I, it, I'm struck just in your presence. The I was watching you on stage, watching the reactions from the crowd, mm -hmm. looking you in the eye with your passion that you are displaying and talking about so many issues. And yet you hear candidates suggesting that a vote for President Biden because of his age is somehow a vote for you. And that is hurled as an insult. It's intended to demonstrate some negative viewpoint towards you. What is your reaction to this thought that with your background in particular, with your career, that there is some thought that you are incapable? Well, I, I think that um, most women who have risen in their profession, who are leaders in their profession. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage 
all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Have had similar experiences. Mm. Um, I was the first woman to be elected district attorney. I was the first woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California. And I'm the first woman to be vice president. And I love my job. <laughs> oh my God. The, oh, we should have done a cringe alert. What were we thinking? What were we thinking? Ladies and gentlemen, did you hear it? Did you hear the stages of grief? The bargaining and depression perfectly demonstrated there. Remember the five stages of grief. Denial. Donald Trump won't run again. Donald Trump's an insurrection. Anger. We're going to sue Donald Trump. 475,000 years in jail. Bargaining. Look into your eyes. The beauty of your candor, of your voice. I'm struck by the sheer of the moonlight across your skin as I caress thy cheek. Okay, in CNN. And then depression. But nobody likes you. <laughs> You're terrible, actually. And there's no way we're going to be able to rig this for you again. And then, of course, ladies and gentlemen, acceptance. So you're seeing now the buildup to acceptance in the stages of grief for the Democrat Party. This is something we're going we're to make a graphic. We're going to put the stages of grief. Maybe we'll put the stages of grief on screen. And we'll show you exactly where your Democrat friends are. Because presumably you know some libs somewhere, you know, in your life. Maybe crazy wine aunt, right? And doesn't have any kids, has cats, and you never got married. Wears those crazy glasses, green, you know, funny colored glasses. Like, you're going to have to have her over on Thanksgiving, She's going to bring in the box of Franzia wine, you know, sit there with her. You, you need to know where she's at. OK, we're doing this as a public service. You need to know where she's at mentally. Many people who are not as love drunk as the CNN reporter there are reaching acceptance now. We are nearing the end of February. Donald Trump is rolling through these primaries. Nikki Haley is crashing and burning. Joe Biden is crashing and burning. The youth are voting for Trump. Minorities are voting for Trump in historic numbers. Democrat policies are backfiring in every conceivable possible way. There's not a single good thing that has happened in this country in the last four years. Nothing good. Everything bad. There's not a single thing for Joe Biden to run on. Joe Biden can't fill like a telephone booth at his rallies. Rallies. Joe Biden shakes hands with ghosts and invisible people. Joe Biden craps himself on national TV. And ladies and gentlemen, Kamala Harris is potentially his replacement. So they're totally screwed. This is now the acceptance for the smarter people in the Democrat Party. The acceptance is beginning to set in. And this is what acceptance looks like. Nate Silver is, um, it's the right way to talk about Nate Silver. Nate Silver is one of the favorite pollsters for the corporate press. He is certainly not a Republican. And he is certainly not MAGA. Nate Silver is a creation of the corporate media. He's been wrong a lot of the time, but he also is a guy who reads a ton of energy and is able to like sort of read the energy of the moment. Nate Silver uh, of the New York Times is now directly stating that Joe Biden is hopeless and that his campaign has no data path to win in 2024. 
Now, this is the favorite pollster of the left wing uh, and the leftist corporate establishment elite. And so this is a um, this is a crisis moment. Okay, to have Nate Silver say something like this some eight to nine months before the election, which is where we are. It's shocking. It's going to go by like that um, is truly crisis level. This is what acceptance looks like in our stages of grief. I, uh, Joe Biden, you know, he, he has made it very clear. He's running. He's not dropping out. But Nate Silver, the guy from 538, the uh, highly esteemed pollster, essentially says that given the state of the race, let's go back to the state of the race. Uh, Joe Biden would lose today to Donald Trump and lose significantly. And he said uh, he put out in his silver bulletin yesterday that Joe Biden is probably a below replacement level candidate. Think about that below replacement level candidate at this point, because Americans have a lot of extremely rational concerns about the prospects of a commander in chief who would be 86 years old by the end of his second term. It is entire reasonable to see this as disqualifying. It is also a reason for Democrats to be the adults in the room and acknowledge that someone who can't sit through a Super Bowl interview isn't someone the public can trust to have a physical and mental stamina to handle an international crisis, terrorist attack, or some other unforeseen threat when he'll be in his mid-80s. Is Joe Biden alive? Is Biden alive? Like, that's a question that the New York Times is now asking. We spent the entire show yesterday sort of thumbing through and leafing through a Politico report that is damning about Joe Biden and his criminal enterprise that he was running with his brothers. How is Politico actually doing reporting on this now? Politico is the same publication. A reminder, Politico is the same publication that published the 51 intelligence experts say that the Hunter Biden laptop have all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. And now Politico has gone hard in on like sourcing about Biden crimes. Yo, what's going on? The Wall Street Journal calling for Joe Biden to drop out. The Washington Post's David Ignatius calling for Joe Biden to drop out. And now the New York Times. An important reminder that it is this article, ALX will find it in a second, the Maureen Dowd article, it's seven grandkids, Mr. President. The New York Times is the stenographers and the hive mind for the Democrat Party. So they were able to get Joe Biden to acknowledge he has a grandchild. What's the power of the New York Times? I mean, it's, it's important for us to like, understand. Of course, we laugh at these publications and they're all a joke and they're run by frauds and they're they're so duplicitous. It, it breaches on the level of malevolence, these, these, these publications. I mean, they're not to be respected. But the left wing of the Democrat Party, you know, reads them like the Talmud and the, 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 the words that are printed in them can literally get Joe Biden to acknowledge his grandchildren. That's how powerful the New York Times is. Here's an article from the New York Times that once published, Joe Biden changed course. The, the grandchild who's named Navy Joan Roberts, Hunter Biden's biological grandchild, is like six years old. For six years, the Bidens have refused to acknowledge her existence. And the New York Times publishes this headline, and then the Bidens cow their head, and then suddenly acknowledge her existence. This is the power that the New York Times has on these people. So that is a nice table setting for this clip, where the New York Times is now directly calling for Joe Biden to step down for the presidency. Yikes. Ouch. 
Ooh, oof. Watch. I think Biden, as painful as this is, should find his way to stepping down as a hero. That the party should help him find his way to that. To being the thing that he said he would be in 2020. The bridge to the next generation of Democrats. And then I think Democrats should meet in August at the convention to do what political parties have done at conventions so many times before. Organize victory. <laughs> oh, baby. Ooh. So a couple things. Democratic convention is going to be in Chicago. People in Chicago are pissed right now. The black neighborhoods of Chicago are pissed right now. I don't live in Chicago. I don't pretend to like be an expert on this. We just play clip after clip after clip after clip of black organizers in Chicago being like, we're going to make it hell on earth during the DNC convention because of what you people have done with unlimited and open immigration into our neighborhoods and destroying and eroding our political power uh, while taking away the fields that our children play in and the schools that they go to for migrant camps. Oh, man. It is going to be a hot one in Chicago this summer at the DNC convention. And if they throw into that mix, into that already buzzing hornet's nest uh, of a mess of a convention, if they throw into that mix, like they're going to now do a swaparoo on the candidate. Oh, man. I just it's going to be entertaining. Lock it in, baby. It's going to be entertaining over the next couple of months. CNN calling out Joe Biden. CNN calling out Joe Biden for hiding. These are the same people that like vociferously and excitedly and fetish like like fetishized Joe Biden in his basement in 2020. Now calling out Joe Biden, like like wrecking Joe Biden on air is a normal thing that now happens on CNN. We used to when we would see this clip it and like quick, like do a read on it because it's so because it's so unique. Now it's normal. And commonplace. Some there has been a massive momentum change here. You heard it there in that clip. They're gonna replace Biden? Is that gonna happen? Listen to CNN. But one thing is for sure, they are apprehensive at best of putting him in the spotlight. And here's the proof. The difference is it's stark in the visibility here. When it comes to interviews, at this point in their presidencies, Obama did 422 interviews. Trump did 300. Biden so far, 86. <laughs> G so a couple of weeks ago, MTG came on the show and said that Joe Biden crapped himself uh, during a trip to Europe. That's what she said. Okay. I have no verifiable proof. We do have a clip of Joe Biden potentially doing this on an MSNBC interview. But we also have inter interviews of top tier Democrat advisors saying that they themselves are pissing their beds out of fear of Joe Biden in 2024 and what Donald Trump is about to do to their party. It's real. This man's name is Paul Begala. You may remember him as one of the top tier wordsmiths for Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton's two successful electoral victories uh, when he ran for the White House. Paul Begala was the mastermind behind Bill Clinton. This man is a call him what you will, but this man is a smart man and he has a he has a successful pedigree in Democratic politics. You should heed his words. And he says, I, I piss myself every night. 
thinking about Joe Biden. Watch. Please swing voters in the center. Well, how much Democratic bedwetting do you think there will be? <laughs> I, I bring up the term everyone laughs, but the term that is used. It's a political term of art. And it's used in Democratic big D politics. Yeah, what true. people say about Democrats. I'm not saying anything that's offensive to Paul's, you know, <laughs> delicate young, sense young, of delicate ears. <laughs> So how much of that will there be? And if you are the White House, how do you assuage said bedwetting? Oh, yeah. Look, uh, I'm a Biden supporter. I, I, and I slept like a baby last night. I woke up every two hours crying and went to bed. Uh, this, is, this is terrible for Democrats. And anybody with a functioning brain knows that. Um, but here's what you do. Instead of calling a press conference saying, I really am sharp, you attack the other guy. You know, the, the, Joe Biden gave the strategy in 2012. He was, I remember, he was vice president. And he said, don't compare us to the almighty, compare us mm -hmm. to the alternative. So everything with Biden has to be not, I'm great, but the other guy's really damaging, dangerous, a threat. You know, the, 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 this is an unlovely. John's exactly right, right? This is going to be a really rough, ugly, unpleasant campaign. So Paul Begala. As much as I hate the guy and hate his politics, he's a man who you have to listen to. You have to respect what he says based on his political pedigree. He says he's pissing himself at night. He's so fearful of what Joe Biden is doing to the Democrat Party and the hopelessness of the Biden campaign. And he's saying you got to compare him to Trump. Quick, got to go after Trump. But MSNBC walked into a black barbershop and said, hey, guys, uh, yo, what do you think of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden? This is in a hard D, dark blue, Democrat neighborhood. And what was the answer? I mean, you can you can literally hear the internal screaming of the MSNBC reporter when they asked black barbers, Trump or Biden. Watch. There are some people in your orbit who are either voting for Donald Trump or considering it. For sure. A lot of my friends are obviously my age, so we're a little younger. We've only voted once, you know, for actually for a president. And Trump is kind of all we know. And they're kind of Trump and Biden. They're like, well, we were broke with Biden. We weren't with Trump. And that's kind of the only thing that I'm hearing over and over again, over and over yeah. again, is that, well, Trump, we had money. Well, okay. <laughs> well, okay. That's kind of like, actually, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. Hey, Alex, give me my give me my give me my favorite Shady Rich interviewing those guys on the boardwalk. It's amazing how much if you just like if you just walk out into the street and ask people what they believe, Trump versus Biden, like the reality. We can play you all the polls and numbers. Here's an article, for instance, this article from The New York Times. As black voters drift to Trump, Biden allies say they have work to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got work to do? The guy who's like first viral story was chasing corn pop out of the pool because he had too much pomade in his hair. Called him Esther Williams, which is a slur. Like Biden admits this. Then he wanted to get a rusty razor blade to go kill him in the parking lot. Go go listen to the corn pop story. That's what Joe Biden did. Joe Biden, the guy who said that uh, he didn't want schools to be integrated because it'd be racial jungles. That guy. Who said you're not black if you don't vote for him? The guy who said Barack Obama is a clean black guy. 
who's well-spoken. Storybook, man. These are all, I'm paraphrasing, like not even paraphrasing. I'm literally directly quoting Joe Biden. Joe Biden's the guy who said that um, poor kids are just as smart as white kids. That's a direct quote, okay? That guy's not doing well with black voters? <laughs> oh, what? It's so surprising. Black voters are more disconnected from the Democrat Party than they have ever been in decades, frustrated with what many see as an inaction on their political priorities and unhappy with President Biden, a candidate that they helped lift to the White House. A New York Times poll found that 22% of black voters in six of the most important battleground states said they support President Trump in next year's election. Now, you may say 22%. That seems kind of low. Understand this. If Donald Trump gets 22, 25% of the black vote, then that makes it on a numbers level from just a pure raw data level, a like 400 electoral vote victory for Donald Trump. You're talking landslide, like 80s landslides for Donald Trump. If the Democrat Party is not pulling in 90 plus percent of black voters, then they are losing. Then they are crumbling. Then they are hopeless. Ladies and gentlemen, 71% said they would back Biden. The drift in support is striking given that Trump won just 8% of black voters nationally in 2020. 6% 6% in 2016. Donald Trump has increased his percentage of the black vote by s- orders of magnitude from 6% to 22%. These are, of course, the pollsters talking, of course. These polls are biased in favor of Democrats and in favor of leftists. The poll also finds that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are tied with black and Latino voters in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin in all the swing states. My God. And what do you need to do? You just need to walk out in the street and ask people. You just got to go. You don't even need to look at the data. You don't need to look at the crosstabs. You just got to go out in the street and just ask people. Yo. Yo, hey, like go go to the demographic you're trying to poll here. They're trying to poll black people for the 2024 election. Go to that demographic and say, Trump or Biden? MSNBC did it at the barbershop. Our boy Shaney Rich also did it. And the result, well, tells you exactly where the country is. Check this out. Well, you know, we with Trump. Yeah, I'm with Trump. I don't know where everybody got against him. Yo, he was making the breadwinners, you heard? I'm a Democrat too, but okay, we Trump. We Trump back in office right now. I'm gonna be honest with you. I quit Trump, to be honest with you. Bro, for real, Trump really did the shit. And I like him because he's about money. It wasn't about no politics. He wanted to make America great again. Through Trump. And boy, Trump, we making sure to get they bread. I ain't gonna lie. I'm thinking Trump for life. Trump for life. I ain't gonna lie. Flood Donald Trump. Trump wanted us to get off our ass and get some money. Trump 2024. The truth. You made everybody hold a piece of money. Because Trump really a boss. So Trump running it how it's supposed to be ran. And people just can't take it. And he putting out facts in front of the people. He ain't lying to the people. People just don't want to accept the truth. Trump, man, we rocking with you. So you, Trump? My dog. Uncle T, what's up? Trump put the money in our pocket. 
strong path that a country on a better path as far as economically. You put America first, so it makes sense. I like to like to place people first. Shout twenty twenty four, my brother. They know they can't get him for none of the real shit. We get it, gang. Yeah. I ain't used to like that, but now, bro, I realize that he meant well for the country. He need that bag. Free Trump. Trump twenty twenty four. They all tricked y'all dumbass to get Trump out the chair, and now look how that shit on backfired on y'all dumbass. Trump got my back. Trump for life. Donald Trump. He showed his love. He showed his love. And he didn't stop. 2024 Trump. Trump. 2024. We from Baltimore. I ain't gonna lie. Trump, my mother. Dog. Much as they talk shit about Trump, he's probably the best thing for America right now. No cap. Really. Trump. My man Trump. He's gangster. I like him. I love him. Make America great again. Let's go. Trump 2024, Trump 2028, Trump 2032. <laughs> and listen, Trump for life. <laughs> oh, they don't want you to see that one. Oh, man. We can play. We should play that every single show. They don't want you to see it. They can't stand it. Even Joe Biden's own co-chairs of his campaign, the people who are employed by Joe Biden's reelection campaign are like, nobody likes us. Like they're saying it on camera. Like, what are they saying behind the scenes? Uh, Mitch Landrew, the co-chair of the Joe Biden for re-election campaign, saying, uh, I think that it's unreasonable that we should expect people to be excited about this campaign. Go. We feel like we're doing really, really well. The country is in a very difficult time right now. Um, as you guys have said from a moment ago, the world is in a very difficult crisis. And we have a moment at this time to make a right decision about what the future of the country and the future of the world is going to be about. So to expect everybody to be happy and excited, I think, is just unreasonable. We are in a tough moment, which is why it's really important that Joe Biden remain as president of the United States. I think it's unreasonable that people that people should be happy. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe that's because your guy craps himself on T and TV. Maybe MTG was on the show saying that that this is what Joe Biden does. Here's a clip that we the, that we're obsessed with of Joe Biden in the middle of an interview. He was in the middle of an interview. He was like two minutes into the interview, just getting up and walking off the set. This doesn't get played enough. This is a real interview. This really happened on MSNBC. Joe Biden, who's done 100 million interviews, he's as old as the fossils in the mud. He knows what an interview is. He knows what it's like to be on set during a live interview. Joe Biden just up and walks off, takes his mic with him. The cameras are rolling. The reporter didn't end the interview. Biden just got up and wobbled off while they were live. And you're wondering why you get headlines like this here, ladies and gentlemen, from the Daily Mail. New York Times doubles down on scathing opinion pieces criticizing Joe Biden, despite the White House being extremely upset at the liberal paper about its unsuitability for a second term. We could play you clip after clip after clip. Ladies and gentlemen, in a moment, we're going to be joined by the great Senator Mike Lee to discuss this and to discuss the Biden pri priorities and what they are or are not doing in the United States Senate. But we've decided that we will focus in on one final piece of desperation, okay? The Clucking Hen House, that is a show called The View every single day, uh, goes live and you are able to see the therapy session, the official stages of grief therapy session. The View is like, the View is like behind in a few of the stages of grief, okay? 
Remember, ladies and gentlemen, the stages of grief. And I think we even have like a, we even have like a, like a little graphic here. Okay, the official stages of grief: denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Here we go. These are our five stages of grief. We should add like a little Democrat, like the little logo of the Democrat Party. Okay, on this guy's chest. The the view is somehow stuck in between denial and anger. The rest of the Democrat Party has moved on to bargaining and depression, and the smartest people in the party are in a, the acceptance stage of 2024. The view, however, is stuck between denial and anger, and it makes it very entertaining. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to salt the libs of the view. Let's salt those libs. Get your salt shakers out, please. I got my salt shaker here. We are going to salt the ladies of the view. They were clucking away at whether Joe Biden is capable of debating Donald Trump. It is a hilarious debate. It is exactly the kind of thing that you want to see broadcast on TV because they low-key admit that Joe Biden is not mentally or physically capable to debate Donald Trump. Get your salt shakers out, baby. Let's salt that lib. I just, you know, I don't think I need to see someone who has been twice impeached and is a disgrace and a one-term president with 91 counts facing him. I think it legitimizes him. I don't need to be gaslit by Trump. We all know who he is. We all know what he stands for. We also know that Biden debated him twice and just like sort of mopped the floor with him. If you look at any of the studies, yeah. every American, most Americans that watched it thought that Biden won, not only on policy, but on demeanor, especially. Does this person have the temperament to be the president? We know who Donald Trump is. I don't think you give him that type of platform. But also, if, if Biden flubs, yeah. they'll go, be all over him. If Trump flubs, if he doesn't well, show who up, cares? be all over him. But here's the thing. A lot has happened since 2020. January 6th hadn't happened. Donald Trump needs to have to stand next to Joe Biden. Joe Biden needs to call him out on the unfitness because the reality is we but all at this table, we all know who Donald Trump is. Nearly 80 million people voted for him. They need to see the juxtaposition of the two. Yeah, but decide they oh, if Joe Biden flubs, it's all over. <laughs> They're just admitting it. They're saying it, but pay attention. None of these people are capable of creative or original thought, okay? So the theme of the show is they're not capable of original thought. They are hive mind collectivists. Collectivism, obviously, the, the, the core rooted principle of Marxism and fascism. Every ism is actually rooted in collectivism. These people are collectivists. They collectively work with the hive mind of the DNC think tanks and PR firms, Jen Psaki, right, head of a PR firm, and they craft little messages, okay, that they want to be spoken out. So when Ezra Klein at the New York Times is like, Joe Biden should drop out and we should have a convention for freedom, that's messaging that is being woven in. It lets you know where they're headed. When Sonny Hosen, clearly the, the lowest information person, the, the lowest IQ person to be on te television day and night. And that's saying something because, well, Rachel Maddow has a show. 
if that person is saying that the narrative needs to be that Joe Biden doesn't owe Donald Trump debates and that he shouldn't debate because th- it wouldn't be fair, expect that to be like a narrative that suddenly gets woven in, okay? That gets like weaved in. You're suddenly going to start seeing that narrative pop up a lot. It's going to be very interesting. There is no group of people that I'd want to see uh, silent more than the women of The View. But ladies and gentlemen, you yourself can be silent if you use silent. I use silent. Silent is a spectacular company that it has the capacity to shut down the wireless signals that are affecting your devices, your computer, uh, all your electronic devices at all times. These wireless signals not only can be harmful to you, especially when you're sleeping, but can also be harmful to your data. And so you should use silent to protect your privacy, to protect your health, to protect yourself, and to keep your data where it belongs. To you, in your hands. Use silent today. Their light Faraday sleeves are very easy to travel with, and it is where my phone sleeps at night and how I travel. Silent backpack is actually freaking awesome. Go to silent today, slnt.com today. Use Benny at checkout and save 15% on free shipping and qualified orders. Benny at checkout, save 15%, slnt.com today. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody who mustn't be silent because he is truly the voice of reason and change, strength and America first in the Senate is the great Senator Mike Lee of Utah. He joins the show now. Senator, thank you so much for being here. I deeply always appreciate your fight in the Senate. I cannot believe that there were 22 Republicans that voted in order to give away billion, hundreds of billions of dollars more to protect foreign borders and not ours. Where does that bill stand? You were, of course, the man standing in the gap. You were the Gandalf of that bill. You shall not pass. And it's very impressive, sir. Um, but nonetheless, the Republican Party cucked out and passed it anyway. Um, where does that stand now? Does that have any chance of getting a vote in the House? First of all, I love the image. It was much more dramatic the way you described it than it was in real life. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I did uh, stand against it. Uh, the bill has been pronounced dead on arrival uh, by uh, the Speaker of the House himself. When that happens, it's very unlikely that a bill like this can pass. Now, there are still some shenanigans that can go on that can lead to its passage. We've got to guard against that. But as long as Republicans in the House stay together as they should have stayed together and could have stayed together in the Senate, they can stop it. There's no way Democrats can do this unless there are Republican defections that materially assist them in what would be a fairly aggressive maneuver on the floor to try to get it passed. Short of those defections and that kind of uh, aggressive maneuver, uh, this thing won't go anywhere. Perhaps the House will come up with its own package. Maybe it will pass an Israel-only package. I don't know. But the bill, as passed by the Senate, has been pronounced and is properly regarded as dead on arrival in the House. So why do we give so much money to foreign nations? Can you explain that to me? Well, I think it was Ron Paul who used to say that a lot of foreign aid amounts to poor people in rich nations giving money to rich people in poor nations. And for whatever reason... The U.S. State Department is really into that sort of thing and has convinced a lot of people in the Pentagon and ultimately in Congress and the White House 
uh, that it's a great idea. Now, look, I, I'm not saying that it's never in the U.S. national interest to give aid to a foreign nation, but uh, most of the time it's probably not. If we can derive some distinct military advantage, uh, that could be a good thing. But our role, there's nothing in my copy of the Constitution, either in Article 1, Section 8, or any other part of the Constitution that confers authority on Congress, that gives us the power to just do good things generally throughout the world just because we're good guys. Uh, we have an obligation to those who elect us and to the Constitution to which we've sw sworn an oath uh, to make sure that we exercise our authority where it's appropriate, where the Constitution says we have power to act. So doesn't say that we have to give billions to Ukraine. Ukraine is a nation that killed an American journalist in uh, that was in jail, in prison there. It's a nation that's uh, banning uh, different sects of the uh, Christian church. It's a nation that, uh, quite frankly, has been sort of a, a kitty and a, a grab pot for American elites to enrich themselves. It just seems as though the only real goal uh, for any package aid package like this is to continue the war and to prevent peace. I mean, that's at the very least what our audience takes away from something like this. And if you're preventing peace and if you are leading more and more uh, young men or now old men because they've run out of young men to the slaughter, that seems just like deeply immoral, actually. It seems like more of a moral question than anything. This isn't, of course, simping for Russia. Russia is obviously a dictatorship and run by an evil oligarch as well. Um who also kills journalists, right? But like to make some type of equivalency, they banned their elections, right? Like they stopped, the, like we're defending democracy and Zelensky stopped all elections. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense along with the reports of Ukrainian generals having, you know, getting caught with $40 million at the border, New Bentleys, um, private beach houses and yachts. Uh, it does seem like just a massive money laundering operation with no accountant with That's and right. with no accountability. Look, to dump $113 billion into a nation that's known for corruption, it just is, and that uh, is known for, among other things, money laundering, and then to say, let's dump another $60 billion into that same country, with uh, $8 billion of that going specifically into a economic assistance fund that the government can use for what it wants, it can pay the salaries of all of its bureaucrats, it can even pay for favorite businesses like clothing store operators and promoters of concert tickets. It, to say that you're going to dump that much money into a country with an established corruption problem and that it's not going to create more of a corruption problem is really uh, going too far. But the point you make, the other point you make that I want to emphasize, Benny, is such a good one, which is uh, there, there's nothing about this aid that's going to help bring about an end to this war. Yes. Now let's look at the let's look at this package or the desire to help Ukraine in the light most favorable to those who are advocating for it. Uh, it Ukraine is a country that was attacked by Russia. Uh, uh, Russia is led by Vladimir Putin. He's a bad guy, and uh, all, all things being equal, I personally would rather see Russia not invading Ukraine and not winning that war. If we wanted to do that, we could have and should have established that a long time ago by establishing a very steady, massive stream of liquefied natural gas from America to Europe. If we flooded the European market with U.S. natural gas, uh, Russia wouldn't have the economic wherewithal to do this. If, if, we, uh, if we didn't see Russia as enjoying such an economic hegemony in the European energy market, he'd never get away with it. But instead, what we're doing is we're dumping money 
into a war that will prolong the war. Now, it will be good for a handful of defense contractors in the United States who will grow very wealthy off of this stuff. But ultimately, a lot of that's going to leave the United States lacking in critical uh, weapon systems for a number of years while we're trying to catch up. And by a number of years, I mean, it could be 2030, 2035 before we're fully replenished. Uh, Senator, we've spent the show talking about how the Democrat Party does not feel that they are served and they feel actually quite depressed about Joe Biden. And that's demonstrated in the polling. That's demonstrated in headline after headline from corporate media outlets that were the staunch defenders of Joe Biden um, saying he's done. He's finished. We got we, we got to get rid of this guy. Yet Joe Biden clings on. OK, and, and refuses to go anywhere. And it is enraging to the party. It is demoralizing to their party. And it kind of reminds me of Mitch McConnell to be quite honest, in our party. Because I can't, for the life of me, find a Mitch McConnell supporter. I can't, for the life of me. I travel the country, we give speeches all over, and we do the show live every single day. And I've never once in the comment section seen somebody being like, Mitch is my guy. He's my favorite Republican. And he really represents me. Uh, that's That doesn't exist. And so at what point and in what mechanism can the Republican Party finally be represented by somebody uh, in the Senate uh, that at the very least has some type of cursory connection to our interests. Yeah. Look, uh, you raised some excellent points. It's not too much to ask for Republicans to suggest that Republican leadership in the Senate ought to reflect in some way uh, the composition of the Senate Republican conference. And even more importantly, uh, the composition of Republican voters uh, throughout our respective states. Uh What I have found so discouraging and why I've been so inclined to call out Senate Republican leadership uh, is the fact that, as this vote last week made clear, there are a number of circumstances. This is not the only one. I wish it were. Uh, If it were the only one, uh, I wouldn't feel quite as strongly as I do about the fact that we need to go in a new direction for leadership. What we had was Senate Republican leaders again and again and again. And we saw it again last week with that Ukraine package vote, where Senate Republican leadership uh, took a position, whipped votes aggressively in favor of a position that most Senate Republicans rejected and that most Republican voters reject. And meanwhile, what does it do to the Democrats? It unites them. Uh, 50 out of the 51 Democrats voted for this bill. Only Bernie Sanders dissented. And too often, this has been the problem. We've got Senate Republican leadership supporting positions opposed by a majority of Republicans, and that unites Democrats behind Democratic policy, Democratic policy that Republicans overwhelmingly feel strongly against. And so that's why this is such an issue. It can't carry on like that, right? Because we have a representative constitutional republic. It it It, can't carry on like that with Mitch McConnell siding with Democrats and balkanizing Democrat priorities as a Republican. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And look, we have every two years to elect a new leadership team. So that will come uh, no matter what at the end of November. Should things change between now and then, it could come sooner, but uh, that hasn't happened among Senate Republicans in a very long time. Whether this happens sooner or later, uh, this is a discussion that's been long overdue. Now, we had some of that discussion after the November 2022 uh, uh, election cycle. And uh, I, I nominated Rick Scott to be our leader. Rick Scott uh, ran. Uh, he, he he didn't win, but Rick Scott and I both got removed from the Senate Commerce Committee in the wake of that. 
It's one of many points that we've got to discuss about what it is that we want. Should the Senate Republican leader really have that kind of power to just remove people from committees just because uh, they supported someone else in a leadership race? Should the Senate Republican leader really uh, be someone who time and time again uh, gets his entire leadership team backing a position that unites Democrats and deeply, sharply divides and infuriates Republicans? I think the answer to both questions is no. Uh, that was seen in perfect relief with the immigration bill. That was so atrocious. Even those who are very, you know, mild-mannered Republicans were like, this is awful. This is like the total and complete legalization of open border policies with the endorsement of the Republican Party. I mean, yeah. it's a fifth it's a fifth column uh, senator at this point, right? It's like yeah. using the name of the Republican Party to back Democrat policies. No, that's right. And, and here's the issue that I had with that that very often goes unmentioned. What we decided like three months ago as Senate Republicans was, um, look, most of us don't want to fund Ukraine anymore. $113 billion is more than everybody else combined, as far as I can tell, uh, has given to that effort. And we shouldn't be giving more. It, it, it is certainly not now. But if Democrats really want that, and the only way we can get the Biden administration to actually enforce the border would be to use this as leverage to get them to do that, then maybe we could consider that. Maybe if you came up with a package that was so aggressive, that would so severely tie the administration's hands so that it would have to finally bring security to the border, that might be worth considering. I, I, would, I, I would at least find that difficult uh, to dismiss cavalierly if we had legislation that would actually do that. E even if it did send uh, money to Ukraine, I'd have to consider it. So we all agreed on that. And, uh, you know, there was a months long negotiation, a months long negotiation that for reasons I've never been able to understand involved our primary negotiator being instructed by our leadership, apparently not to even propose uh, conditioning the actual release of any Ukraine funding to the achievement of border security metrics to actually achieving operational control of the border. And so when it came out, it didn't have that or anything that would comparably force the issue of border security. Uh, we had no choice but to oppose it. And all but four of us ultimately did oppose it. But after that, Senate Republican leadership said, oh, OK, I guess you guys don't want border security. After all, let's go ahead and pass Ukraine funding. I, I really don't understand it. This is not the work of someone who was working in good faith to unite Republicans. Yeah, I mean, clearly. And what will we see when the Mayorkas impeachment rolls through the Senate in the next couple of weeks? I sent a letter today uh, to Senator McConnell. Uh, it was signed by 13 Senate Republicans. I hope to get more uh, echoing the concerns expressed in it. Um, and in that letter, I, I explained that we can't get rid of these impeachment articles simply by a motion to table. It's our understanding that um, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats want to get rid of it by just uh, 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 passing a motion to table. Well, you don't table impeachment articles. Look, Article 1, Section 2 gives the impeachment power to the House. It gives the Senate the sole power to try all impeachments. I, the, nowhere in the Constitution and nowhere in the Senate's standing rules on impeachment does it suggest that it's remotely appropriate to simply table them. A tabling motion says, we're not saying this is good or bad, right or wrong, guilt, or innocence is not found. We're just setting it aside. There's no place for that under our system. And uh, I, I'm encouraging my Republican colleagues and, and the Republican leader in the Senate, Senator McConnell, 
to stand behind this this point that we need to defend. So you're saying that McConnell might not even might not even fight to get a trial for Mayorkas. He may just allow them to brush it under the rug. Look, I, I'm not saying that. Uh, to be honest, I don't know where he's mm-hmm. going to come down on this. All I do know is that um, he hasn't yet spoken on it. Now, he, uh, uh, to be clear, he, he's been tied up with a number of other things, and uh, he may just not have had occasion to do it. So I, I certainly don't want to speak for him. Uh, but I, I am trying to encourage him uh, to take a position that says, yeah, we've got a duty to conduct this trial. Now, that doesn't always mean that you go all the way through. In some circumstances, it may be appropriate uh, as it was with the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Many of us believed that uh, most Republicans believed, including myself, that the Senate lacked jurisdiction in that case. And we, we voted after being impaneled and sworn in to decide the case and going through all the other processes, not tabling it. We voted on the motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction. That failed. And then the, the trial proceeded. But uh, to simply table it, it allows the Senate to avoid altogether the question of whether we have jurisdiction, whether they have stated a claim uh, upon which someone can be impeached, and whether the party is guilty or innocent. That's not appropriate. Hmm. You say that Mitch McConnell hasn't spoken on this yet, but there have been a mo- n- number of instances, Senator, where the leader of your party in the Senate just hasn't spoken, like, at all. Like, during press conferences, he just stops speaking and stares off blankly into the middle distance. We're not here to make fun. We've often We've oft held on this show the uh, rigid rule that people who are of a uh, uh, declining mental capacity should be in homes and surrounded by their loved ones and shouldn't actually be running the most powerful country and economy and military on earth. That goes for Joe Biden. It goes for Mitch McConnell. It goes for anybody who's careening towards their 90s. Uh, Yet situations like this happen often, actually, for Mitch, they've happened a couple times. He's had a couple falls, uh, been in the hospital, concussions, broken bones, and then just straight up blanking. Uh, doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Uh, what do you think when you see clips like this? Well, look, it's it's concerning, and uh, my, my my sympathies go out to anyone who experiences health conditions like those. Look, my my grievance with him is is not uh, uh, something that involves his health. It, my, my grievance with him actually doesn't have to do with his ineffectiveness. It has to do with his effectiveness, often at uniting Democrats, uh, bringing a few Republicans along in order to achieve cloture and a few more for good measure. uh, And uh, in the process, alienating a lot of Republican voters uh, uh, around my state and around every state, or at least every state with uh, uh, one or more Republican senators in so doing. That's my concern. And I think that's the discussion we need to have. Uh, to my knowledge, he hasn't had one of those episodes that you've described for a number of months, and and I wish him well in, in his full recovery. Uh, but it, like I say, the, the question in my mind is, well, what are we using it for? He has proven very effective at uniting Democrats and dividing Republicans while alienating Republicans, and that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I think it should sort of be like a baseline, and I probably speak for a lot of Democrats here. Let, let us unite over something like right. Let let us join hands right, as a as a country and say that people who are having these kind of episodes where Joe Biden is talking with ghosts, right, and shaking hands of invisible people and is not able to remember the death of his own son or his own vice presidency, like those people shouldn't be in charge. Absolutely. Like, let me let me Look. link hands with you, right, and say that Republicans who have those exact same symptoms should also not be in charge. We'll we'll like let's do this together, right? Right. Particularly where the commander in chief is involved. I mean, first of all, 
I, I want to make clear there's a there's a gulf of difference between Mitch McConnell and and Joe Biden. Mitch McConnell had a few episodes. Uh, Joe Biden uh, routinely has them. It's almost he is an episode. He yeah. doesn't have the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden is moreover uh, the commander in chief of the greatest military force ever assembled on planet Earth, and uh, it's a really dangerous thing to have somebody in those circumstances. If the roles were reversed, even somebody with fewer uh, publicly visible episodes uh, like Mitch McConnell, if he were in the White House, the press would be all over that. The press would be attacking him day and night relentlessly. They, you would never hear the end of it. And yet his his uh, uh, issues have been far less severe. But the point remains, when it's the commander in chief, when it's the president of the United States, there is cause for concern. And we should all be worried about the condition of President Joe Biden. Even before we got to this uh, uh, special counsel report about the fact that he's apparently not uh, mentally fit to even stand trial. Yeah. You, you, you tweeted once the song blank space is obviously about Biden. So wait a blank wait space, a, baby. And I'll write your name. <laughs> <laughs> well, done. I don't know. I don't know. quote uh, Taylor Swift in media interviews, but as the dad of a daughter, who's a huge Swifty, it just comes out. <laughs> Uh, uh, we do often make memes on this program. We've made a meme of you, sir, in the time that we've been doing this interview. This is the you shall not pass Mike Lee as Gandalf. And uh, we hope that you, you we hope that you use it often from your account based Mike Lee. Everyone needs to go follow based Mike Lee right now. The most based Mike Lee account. Uh, and it's not a parody account. It's actually Mike Lee. And you see the little blue badge there. Uh, 181,000 people can't be wrong, right? Go follow base Mike Lee. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for being the Gandalf of the Senate. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> ah, we love. We love this program. We can have more fun during this program than anybody else. We have on the guests. We make the memes in real time. Well done, Jerry. That's a very nice Gandalf meme of Mike Lee. Gandalf. Mike Lee, you shall not pass. Looking good. Maybe Mike Lee should grow a beard. Maybe he should grow a beard. I'm not sure. I don't know. But he'd look good with a beard. His uh, best friends in the Senate, Ted Cruz, totally different with the beard. Suddenly he has a lion mane, okay? And he went from Lion Ted to Lion Ted. Oh, here's Mike Lee as uh, oh, we got to send this to the senator. These are very good. The wise man of the Senate. You shall not pass. Ladies and gentlemen, we wouldn't end the show without a without a uh, shot of Big Fanny. <laughs> you think do you think that we would not get you some Big Fanny news? Oh baby, we got it. After the wall to wall last week, Big Fanny unloads at church, of course. After a court meltdown and accepts an achievement. That's right. Big Fanny has accepted an award just to show you exactly uh, the world that we live in. We tell you often that we live in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yep. And there are there are pillars of salt everywhere. Uh, we've already salted that lib, so this will be our cringe alert of the day. Here's what Big Fanny was up to this weekend. PG rated. Don't worry. You don't have to, you don't have to get the kids out of the room or anything.
This is our Black History Achievement Award presented to Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis. Different people from all different walks of life keep sending me this one scripture, and I don't think I ever really heard it till to maybe two days ago. You, people send you stuff, you read them, they just kind of become things you recite, but you don't really think about what they say. The scripture they keep sending me is, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I need y'all to hear me though. They did not say the weapon, weapons will not form. And that's the part I didn't hear until recently. Just because they won't prosper, it doesn't mean that they won't form. And so my only... So, speaking of prospering, <laughs> has anybody checked Fannie Willis's pillowcase where she lays her head? Apparently, Fannie Willis travels with tens of thousands of dollars in cash everywhere she goes. I didn't see a bag of cash there on the church dais. Where's, where's the bundles of cash that Fannie travels with everywhere? Wherever she lays her head, if somebody asks her for a G, you gonna get a thousand dollars, according to Fannie Willis. That's a quote. Okay, Fannie Willis had such a meltdown in court that the people that were supposed to defend her didn't even call her, and the judge was about to kick her out of the courtroom. The judge was this close to striking her testimony. Fannie Willis obviously lied multiple times on the stand, lied to the court, sent petitions with different dates on them about when her relationship began, the relationship where she destroyed a marriage, destroyed the life of a man who was married, not something you should brag about from a church dais. But hey, that's just me. I'm just a simple Christian. I just, just read my Bible. Okay, just gonna go, go on back to my own little ways. Now we do have an image of Fannie Willis. Okay, we have an image of Fannie Willis right before she, right before she took the, uh, right before she took the podium there at the church. Uh, apparently, this has been leaked. This has been leaked to us by a source inside the church. We have great reporting, great sources everywhere. Fannie Willis, right before she, but apparently her, maybe her dress was covering it. She wore the dress the right way this time too, which is really impressive for Fannie. That's just listen. Everyone's in a different place in life. Everyone's on a journey. Fannie Willis did not wear her dress backwards, as far as we could tell, uh, during that speech. And so that's important. Ladies and gentlemen, speaking of somebody who's uh, backwards in every conceivable way and somebody who thinks backwards and acts backwards and is obviously running back the Republican Party to like a bygone neocon era is Nikki Haley, who is live right now giving a speech. We have breaking news from that speech as Nikki Haley has announced she will not be dropping out of the Republican primary, and she will continue her fight against Donald Trump, a reminder that Nikki Haley is a Democrat. She's funded by Democrats. Her supporters are Democrats. Her policies are Democrats. Her hero is Hillary Clinton. And Nikki Haley uses every opportunity she gets to slander and smear the wonderful American, little American community that she was raised in uh, as vile racists. Nikki Haley is a duplicitous, an awful person. And ladies and gentlemen, here's the breaking news of Nikki Haley seconds ago. to quit. South Carolina will vote on Saturday, but on Sunday, I'll still be running for president. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) 
I'm campaigning every day until the last person votes because I believe in a better America and a brighter future for our kids. Nothing good in life comes easy. I'm willing to take the cuts, the bruises, and the name-calling because the only way you get to the blessing is by going through the pain. Dropping out would be the easy route. I've never taken the easy route. Well, yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. The easy route is accepting the ambassadorship to the United Nations from Donald Trump and then savagely turning on him and running a fifth column cloak and dagger Democrat campaign in order to try and shiv Trump in the back from within his own party. Nikki Haley is an evil warmongering Democrat who profiteers off war, who has no moral compass. And who, again, we need to say this once, like again and again and again, Nikki Haley loves Hillary Clinton. Nikki, Hillary Clinton is her hero. Her hero. Ladies and gentlemen, um, the mirage that is Nikki Haley is coming down and crashing down very, very hard. Let's pump, punch in here. Here's uh, Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump in the South Carolina primary. What can you expect this weekend when voters begin casting their ballots on Saturday? Donald Trump is leading by a cumulative 25 points on Nikki Haley, leading by between 20 and 30 points in every poll. So Donald Trump is going to commandingly defeat and destroy Nikki Haley in her home state. Not that anybody in South Carolina wishes to claim Nikki Haley, um, but we will be there. We'll be there to cover it all. We'll be live with Vivek tomorrow as we campaign for Trump, as we go to the uh, Trump campaign rallies uh, on Friday night. And we'll be going live uh, for the show from uh, Columbus, South Carolina. And so we look forward to seeing, correction, Columbia. My apologies. From Columbia, South Carolina. If you wish to join us for this event, ladies and gentlemen, we have the uh, Eventbrite link uh, up on social media. Please RSVP. We look forward to seeing you there. We'll be there for the uh, remainder of the week, starting with the end of end of the uh, show tomorrow. And so it will be a fun time. We have some uh, special things planned. <laughs> we... We're gonna we're gonna do a fact finding mission on Nikki Haley. We're looking forward to that. We're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see uh, if some of the things that Nikki Haley has said about her uh, life, especially her young life, are indeed true. You support this show. It is our obligation to bring you journalism. It is our obligation to go and do the story that no one else will do, and you will be seeing the results of that in the coming days, ladies and gentlemen. The way that you support our show is by signing up for the Benny Brigade. If you go to BennyJohnson.com, you can sign up for the brigade right now. The Benny Brigade allows for you to support our work for less than the cost of a happy meal per month. Uh, you can support our program directly, and that keeps us independent. We are, well, I mean, there's not a lot of independent shows out there, to be quite honest with you. Uh, a lot of corporate media run, owned, and operated shows. And you can support us and be part of this community, this growing community. And you can uh, obviously get your Benny Brigade official keychain sent directly to you, supporting our veteran craftsmen who make these beautiful keychains, the most based salty army keychain. Oh, baby, it looks so beautiful. Every morning I get it. I look, 
Hold on. Here we go. There it is. Salty Arm Keychain. Ah! Made by beautiful veterans. Made by pure American leather. Shipped out directly to you. Join the Benny Brigade today and support our journalism. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a tough time out there. And some people can't afford uh, the $5 a month. And that's okay. We thank you for watching anyway. I know what it's like to be completely dead broke. And Joe Biden ain't making it easy for anyone. So we love you. And we say thank you. We will always be here for uplifting for you uh, no matter what. That is why we end every show with a verse of the day from Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let us bring hope to this nation, hope to this country, and let us be uh, focused on the road ahead as we march forward to victory. I'm marching right alongside you. I'm fighting right alongside you. It's your boy, Benny. See ya.